Hey everyone, and welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. And in today's episode, I am joined once again by friend of the podcast, ultra endurance athlete, and San Diego trail running legend. He is in search of the Triple Crown of 200s. There's so much to unpack with this guy. Let's just get right into it. Welcome back, Hector Rodriguez. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. Hector, man, what's yeah, going this, on? This feels like my home right here. So I'm <laughs> pumped to be talking back to you. So yeah, man, it's it's always wait. good to always good to have you back, and and uh, I always love having our conversations and hearing your stories along the way. Because <laughs> out of anybody that I have ever yeah. talked to, like the shit that you that you accomplish and do. You know, it's, it's amazing. So I, I love, I love where we're at with this uh, conversation. So before we get into the conversation, I just, how have things been with you? What, what's been going on? Everything's been really, really good. Uh, I set out, uh, which I know we're going to talk about for the triple crown of 200s, but I, you know, what I, what maybe a lot of people don't know is I, I've also kind of made it like a family kind of three month trip. Uh, it's been really awesome experience because I have uh, my wife and I have two little girls. So we drove up to the Pacific Northwest and along the way, like saw some really cool stuff. We as a family went on the trails. Um, so I got to spend a lot of good quality time with them. And then I went straight into the cave of Bigfoot 200. And then my plan was to go to, to Tahoe next, but again, like spend, you know, a good solid two, three weeks with them, train when I can, you know, I was gonna hit that race and then do the same thing in Moab. So it's really been, a beautiful, awesome experience to kind of share all the time, except for the race with them kind of out in nature in, in these really beautiful, beautiful places. Can't uh, complain. It's been it, awesome. It completely adds another layer onto everything that you're doing, right? You get a chance to have your, your family support there. Um, and I assume your, your kids get a chance to see you at the finish line, right? They get to see you across yeah. and everything else. So it's kind of got to bring a little bit of extra like special into into the race itself and having your family there at all times which is awesome for sure because like my girls seen me training so much you know and they've seen me sacrifice time from them so much you know where on a saturday morning i'm out for a run so it's really was it was really rewarding crossing that bigfoot 200 line to to show them like hey look at all these miles look at all this hard work and hey, your dad went on like the freaking toughest course he's ever been on and he was able to finish. And so they saw like a full journey. And what also was really cool with it was we had a wolf pack or we had a team, a crew out there. So they seen me do this journey and still need to rely on the community yep. to get me to that finish line. So like there was just so many like life lessons in just my race experience. And I'm big on using my training, my challenges, my runs as kind of tools to keep in my back pocket to kind of share with my my two little girls. So I love it. So it's yeah, been man. it's been awesome. 
Well, and it's and it's always great to hear. I, I mean, overall, the trail running community is all about family and community anyway. So that I mean, that just kind of mm-hmm. plays into how everything rolls into our sport and everything that we you know that we do out on the trails and everything else. So it's it's that's fun to listen to and stuff. So I was yesterday at the Labor Day run with all the local trail groups, and it's exactly what you said. Like everybody was just. So loving, so nice, so welcoming to everybody that's there. You know, people are coming up like, hey, how can we support? You know, that's awesome. Do you need an aid station? Do you need us to come bring you some burritos? And I was like, <laughs> man, like, that's exactly what you said. It's just, and it, I, I don't feel like it's like that everywhere else. Like there's something really beautiful with the trail community that I think people like you and, and some of the trail local leaders who stay consistent with putting their runs and these group runs and all that kind of stuff really makes this a really awesome place. Yeah. I, I have the opportunity to work in a couple of different locations and I still feel San Diego as big as it is, right? As big as the county is and as yeah. spread out as San Diego is, I feel that San Diego has such a strong bond with all the trail running groups, all the you know the mm-hmm. entire trail running community. So if you can go to a trail running group down in the South Bay and you can come to another one up here in North County and you're going to see a lot of the same runners, you're going to know, like everybody's going to know one another. Everybody's kind of got those, like a lot of the same stories and shares, you know, shares those same trails. So it's really cool to see that. And I'm, I'm excited that that uh, we we have a chance to live in an area like that, that, ha- that is so supporting. So, um, so let's talk uh, Triple Crown. Um, so there there's three races in, in the triple crown of 200s. And so I, so I was kind of hoping you could give me a little bit more of an explanation of what this is um, for anybody who doesn't understand how big of a, how big of an event um, opportunity this is for you and for the, for the community itself. Yeah. The triple crown of 200s is um, three races put on by destination trail, uh, which is led by Candace Burt and her whole team. Uh, and what it consists of is doing Bigfoot 200, which is a 200 mile race in the Pacific Northwest, Cascade mountains, Mount St. Helen, like super beautiful terrain. Uh, and that takes place, you know, like the second week of August, then approximately 30 days later, There's the Tahoe 200, which takes place in Lake Tahoe, California. It's another 200-mile race. Beautiful terrain. Like, Lake Tahoe is, like, probably my favorite place. And then 30 days after that, you go over to Moab, Utah, which is just magical, and you run 240 miles there. So all three of these courses – so it's basically you're running three 200-plus-mile courses with elevation gain from 29 – this year's Bigfoot was 46,000 feet of climbing wow. and it's pretty much point to point courses. So like you pretty much never see, you know, anything twice. There was a couple little small out and backs, but for the most part, you know, every miles is, is new scenery and it's just really beautiful out there. Uh, and how many, how many runners do they, would you, would you say that they typically see in each one of these races? Cause it's not a, it's not a huge field by any means uh, for the race or for the triple crown itself. No, for, well, both, I guess each race is roughly about 200 ish people. Right. Yeah. And then the yeah, triple exactly. crown is even, the triple crown is even smaller than that as far as people signed up for the entire thing. Yeah. So I think you're spot on. It's uh, I think there was like 
you could I'll be close. I don't know exactly, but it was like 212 people, something like that for Bigfoot. And I think maybe 100 and almost 90 uh, were signed up or showed up on race day. So it's 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 close to that 200 mark. And I, I think I recall around that same number when I did Moab 240. Um, and then for the Triple Crown itself, uh, up to this year, I think only 55 people have completed it. And this year, I think they had another maybe 50 plus or minus 10 that were attempting it. You know, we'll see how many of those 50, you know, let's just say it's 50 people. Let's see how many of those people get to complete and add their name to the list. Wow, man. That's me being one of them. (laughs) And that's amazing. The Triple Crown's been around for, I think, what, three or four years, something like that? Yeah, I think it was like the Double Crown, or I think it was, you know, just two races. And then three or four years ago, uh, there was three. Yeah, not Uh, too long, but really cool challenge. So, I mean, it's amazing. The numbers are staggering. Like, there's only been 55 people that have finished all three races in a course of a four-year time frame, we'll say, which is astounding as far as the number um, and that goes. But so I want to get into two hun- the Bigfoot 200 because that was the first race this year because there has been some, uh, some quote-unquote, little difficulties with the Triple Crown this year with all the fires that have gone on. And I'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. But I do want to talk about Bigfoot and your experience with that because last time we had talked on the podcast you had just completed the moab 240 right so yeah i kind of want to get a little bit of a background as far as how how this race maybe differed with that event because you're going to be doing that again here next month um right so what was and it's in completely different like you said cascade mountains versus moab so it's completely different landscape Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about this race and and how you prepared for it and kind of some of the, the some of the good points along the way and maybe some of the the points where you're like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of that. I had a lot of that. So I'll start with prep- preparation. Uh, to me, I've been on a three year journey where I've just I like literally like turned my life around and I just started looking for all kinds of challenges whether it was challenges you provided, you know challenges other race companies, just whatever I could get, my hands on, I just started hitting ultras literally like every month and putting down just miles, just training, training, training. So I did that kind of process all the way through Moab 240 last year. And I had such an amazing experience during Moab. I knew right after I'd want to come for the triple crown at 200. I don't remember exactly when, maybe it was like January of uh, 2021 of this year but i reached out to mike mcknight who is to me the best 200 mile runner on the planet he probably will cringe if he hears me saying that but that's just (laughs) how i feel and so he was willing to kind of help me and what he's done for me that he's done a, a lot for me uh one being he'll answer the call answer the phone when i call and like i can kind of like like discuss a lot of the things and he has like knowledge of the courses. So he was able to kind of prepare me and educate me on that. And then he also gave me a lot of confidence that I was hitting enough miles to be able to endure what I'm going to need to endure uh, for the triple crown. So I'll be always very appreciative of him for those two things. So going into Bigfoot, uh, I felt really good as I uh, did you know, I had recently did a 48 hour race in Vegas where I got like third place for, for the males and just all 
year long, like I just had been feeling really, really good in my training. Um, I get to Bigfoot and I was there, I think I was there a couple of weeks early and I'm just seeing the terrain and it, where this race is at is like just super remote. Your Chevron gas station in San Diego is like the market over there is what it felt like <laughs> in the city that I was staying in. It was like, there, there wasn't even a Walmart. I don't think there was any even fast food restaurant. Like there was no mall. There was no REI. Yeah. There's like, it was super, super remote. <laughs> so uh, the thing that had me like the most nervous going into that race was the 46,000 feet of climbing because Moab was challenging and that was 29,000 feet. You know, and Mount Everest, I think, is 29,000 feet. So to do one and a half times that was my wild card. And as the race unfolded, um, day one was really hot um, and it knocked out a lot of runners. You're running literally like through lava fields. So it was like hot plus like the rocks below kind of like give off this kind of heat. So that was really cool, but I train a lot in hoodies, so I do pretty well in the heat. And, you know, the, the day one was, wasn't too bad. Uh, but once we started like get, you know, day two and beyond, it just felt like the climbing was just nonstop. It was relentless how much the climbing was. And that's where I had my like, Oh shit moment. Like (laughs) I, I literally, probably like cried like three times. I like, I had more down moments and lows like ever in a race, like to where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like it was just, to me, it felt like the whole race was up. Now, obviously there, there was actually up and down, up and down, but it was just, it was just so much climbing. Like yeah. I remember there was one section that was like 17 miles and 7,000 feet climbing. And I'm like, just this section alone is hard, you know, for a a day. (laughs) So it was really, really challenging. And so I think, you know, kind of in hindsight, I should have been training a lot more power hiking because that's Mm -hmm. what I ended up doing because it was just so steep up and so steep down. And unfortunately, I don't know what, what was happening or what has happened in the Pacific Northwest, or at least this mountain park I was in, but there were so many trees that have that had fallen onto the trails. Okay. So you could imagine when you're a hundred miles into a race, like squatting <laughs> just kills you, right? Like if you yeah. go to the bathroom or something, like getting off the bathroom can kill you. So having to wrap around over a tree or under a tree was just brutal. And it was like constant, just trees, 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 trees that we were just hopping over going under. Oh, man. So it was really hard to get a groove. But even given all of that, you're literally like in the most beautiful forest, like on the planet. Like it was just so nice. There was waterfalls, there was creeks everywhere, man. I pounded so much water from that creeks that it was just so good. <laughs> Um, so like it was a really beautiful amazing experience but it was by far the hardest thing i ever done like you said like you're in locations that they're not gonna they're not gonna forest service isn't gonna go in and clean up all the trees that have fallen over so you better be prepared right. for yeah. for some of those obstacles you know now you become an ocr <laughs> participant along the way mm-hmm. as, as well as a trail runner so i can i can only imagine and did i and i don't know if i'm correct in this so correct me if i'm wrong but did i see some some video that you had posted that there was a creek crossing that was 
relatively deep that you guys were trying to figure out how to get across that? Yeah. And they prepare you for that. So, you know, these rivers are coming that you have to cross. So yeah, I mean, literally you're just getting into the river and with your sticks, <laughs> just trying to find footing and you're crossing the river. So how um, deep are, how deep are some of those areas that you had to cross? Maybe, maybe mid thighs. And one of them had the creek right. moving, you know? Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> Who's moving? I was like, don't take me down this. You know, the eighth rod just floating down the river. Okay, but, you know, either uh, either cut it. Either. There was some that you you could hop on the rocks and get through, and there was yeah. some that you you literally got soaked. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's, it was I, was, I was, I'd, I'd imagine that there would be some that, that are not only ankle deep, that, that you could get kind of washed yeah. away if you're not careful. But uh, man, that's funny. Yeah. So um, you've, you've, you were able to finish the race in just over 102 hours. Is that right? So last time we talked, we were, we discussed like sleeping on the trails for quick, you know, quick minute, you know, 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Mm-hmm. Were there access points to do a little bit of that too? Or was that kind of like reserved for, okay, I need to just make it to this aid station, get rested up and then go. Or were you able to actually be on the trail a little bit, tuck away, tuck away next to a tree and just sleep for a little bit? Yeah. So what I did this round from my recollection was I took a two hour nap uh, at a sleep at one of the sleep aid stations. Um, and then I took like another two hour nap in a tent. We popped up like at a campground that was like near the aid station. Um, so besides those two, two hour naps, uh, over the course of the hundred hours, everything else was like four to 10 minute naps on the trail. So like, yeah, I would literally just find a spot. Like as, as we were going, there was lots of bugs out there too. Like I I can imagine with bugs. Yeah. So once like I started really needing to sleep, I looked like, and we got through a section where I didn't see bugs. I would tell my pacer like, Hey, give me like four minutes. Give me 10 minutes. Like, let me close my eyes for three minutes. And it was just sporadically that Mm -hmm. to kind of give me my recharge. Um, and I had literally in the last year had been playing a lot more with kind of the sleep deprivation, moving with lack of sleep. And it paid off to where I was really like those little naps that are like 10 minutes were really like I had slept the whole night. Like I was really recharged and it did a lot for me. So like that's now something in my back pocket that I feel I have. And I will go with that plan um, for the local 200 that I'm going to do and for Moab 240. Yeah. So you, you mentioned the, the pacer aspect of it. So what was what was the difference in crew and pacing at this event? Because it's, you know, you're, like you said, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So how how many miles were you allowed to have a pacer and where could they jump in at? Do you remember that aspect of it? Yeah. So I think the first pacer that I was able to have was mile 46. And then from there on out, um, I had, I had my sister, my uncle and a buddy, uh, who I had just met for the second time, I believe. And he was willing to come out and support me. So, um, that was super awesome. And then there was this other really awesome person that I met in Moab. Now I didn't meet her in Moab, but we met after we both completed Moab and she lived in the area. 
So she was volunteering for Destination Trail and was like, hey, I, I would love to come and, and help out. So that 17-mile, cool. 7,000-foot section, she came and, and paced me. So that was uh, really cool to have basically the four of them pretty much kept me moving. Oh, and then I had another friend, Brandon, who showed up. So I had like three core pacers and then two others that kind of jumped on when they could to help. Um, and then what was really like beautiful was at the aid stations, there was people volunteering and like, so I'm like wrecked. Right. And I'm just like, like I said, like I was having so many down moments and I'm like, what mm -hmm. the hell is this? Like, like I almost like some of the times I was like, I want to run, but it's just so much power hiking and I'm getting my butt kicked by these mountains. I can't run. So I'd be yeah. like coming in and then I'd look and I'd see a Wolfpack shirt of, of this <laughs> design we did for a charity. Yeah. And so as I'm going through aid station, there's like these people who I've have who I've not met in person that are like showing me love through the gear or just even shouting it out, saying, Hey, hey, Wolfpack, good job, da 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 da. And every single time that happened, and it was like multiple aid stations. I was like, one, it's super cool that these people who are like wearing Wolfpack gear are volunteering. Yeah. And then two, they're just like showing so much love to me and the crew. It was like so much energy. Um, so all of that is is probably what helped me get through that race. Man, it's just that's just another great fucking example of of the community, right? And and how yes, how yes. how you've been able to yourself and be able to touch a lot of the you know, trail runners you know around here and around the area, you know other areas of the country with that. So that's always really yeah. fun to see. It's always to fun to always fun to see. Back, back to the trail community, like how awesome. Yeah. And supportive and giving back and yes. loving and encouraging the trail community is like it's yeah. it's the most beautiful thing like I've ever been a part of for sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And that's why, I, again, I'll say it time and time again. I love what I do. I don't consider it work at all. It's yeah. it's something that I love going to go into the office every day and going to the, to the events and setting those up. It's great. So let's let's talk uh, Tahoe 200. That's supposed to it was actually supposed to happen this week. And yes, because of all the wildfires going on up in that area, uh, you guys got the notice, obviously, that that the event's going to have to be canceled and everything so how does uh an event like that go into a virtual aspect of it because they are giving you guys that the option to do the virtual 200 so how does that how does that transition into everything yeah so i, w I was actually in tahoe when i got the news that it was canceled and i was like getting acclimated to the altitude and I could smell the fire every day. So it was absolutely oh, like the right call. Like the weather was so bad. And we had, it was like the coolest thing, but also like the saddest thing. Like we literally had bears in our campsite. Two nights I had them in the bed of my truck, you know? So I don't <laughs> know if that's the normal thing for this place. Like my wife woke up and saw a bear in our truck, like in our bed. <laughs> Because we had a cooler, so I think they were looking yeah, yeah. for food. And then, and then another time we caught video of them of them like just scooting by. So, if that's like kind of their normal practice, cool. But if it's because of the fires are like coming into the city more, then like that's a super big bummer. But so I, I knew it was the right call for them to cancel. Um, and then they immediately said like, "Hey, we're gonna like think of something." 
um, some criteria to still have this count for the Triple Crown of 200s for the people who want to do it. For me, either way, I had said I'm doing three 200s in basically 60 days. Uh, I had personal reasons for, for myself. Like I want to raise awareness for Rod's adoption. Uh, I want to test my limits. I want to encourage people to get off their butts and get moving. So I had just different reasons to why I was still going to do it. So they came out with the criteria that, hey, you need, given that like, I'm going to have to now create a route, create my aid stations. I'm not going to have runners there. You know, there's there's not going to be probably like a finish line ceremony. There's probably not going to be a belt buckle, you know, all that stuff. Like everything I'm going to have to figure out on my own within a couple of weeks to pull this off. So they kind of understood that and they understand that like not everybody's got like peaks you can get into Tahoe, right? Like to get all yeah. of the elevation comparable. So the, the criteria that came out was I need to hit at least if you wanted this to count as uh, a triple crown of 200 event, you need to hit 200 miles. You need to hit 33,800 feet elevation. Wow. You need to do it under 110 hours. So, and there's no muling allowed. Uh, and there's, and you have to carry the required gear like you would in a race in your pack. Yeah. So, at a high level, I think those were the major parameters that you need to hit. I took those factors and with the, the help of the community, people like yourself and some of the other people, uh, I kind of I developed a route and then had some people kind of spot check it and give me feedback that meets all of that criteria. And I'm going to attempt my destination trail virtual Tahoe 200 here in San Diego. And I'm going to start this Friday. Nice, man. So it's, I mean, which is awesome because I know that there'll be a ton of support out there for you. Um, you're also have the opportunity. I saw your, I saw your course the, that was created um, and man, it's, it does not lack any, any elevation. It's not like it's, and where the elevation you get, it's amazing. Like, you know, over there in Mission Trails and, you know, some of that stuff out in East County, like you're going to be hitting some really, really cool locations uh, all throughout the county. Yeah. And what I thought was cool is you were able to, um, so let's talk about where the start finishes first, because you're starting finishing, what, in downtown? At, at, is it still at Petco? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start Friday, uh, 6 a.m. at Petco Park. So we're also, uh, that we haven't talked about shooting a documentary on this Triple Crown of 200s. I also saw when they canceled the Tahoe 200 that this would be a great opportunity to showcase San Diego, to showcase what we talked about earlier in this conversation, the community here, you know, the way we got each other's back, the way, you know, people set out all of these challenges and different run groups will literally come and just be an aid station, you know, and other people yes, will jump yeah. in and run. And, and we, we travel to these races out of state as like a team, you know, there's, <laughs> it's common that 15, 20 runners from San Diego go to Utah for Bryce Can or uh, yeah, for Bryce Canyon or, you know, for any of these just yeah. Zion, all these races um, just everywhere. So I thought it'd be cool if I could get that caught on video as well as showing like, Hey, San Diego, we have downtown, we have mountains, East County, and we have some amazing beaches. And if I could have had the course showcase that, uh, I thought would be really cool yeah. and special for myself and for the city and the community. 
Yeah, I, I really loved how you were able to wrap it from downtown out to East County, you know, over to Mission Trails, which is kind of central county, and then over to La Jolla and then pretty much run the coast the rest of the way in, right? Yeah. And so, that, yeah. I mean, what a great way to finish a 200, right? Is right along the coast. You get to see some water, some beaches yeah. <laughs> after you after you yeah. put in all that elevation. Uh, so it'll be really cool. So where's your, your finish line is going to be in uh, Mission Beach. Is that right? So that is tentatively. Like, I think I would love to finish at Belmont Park. I think that'd okay. be kind of a cool landmark area to end there. Uh, but I'm going to see just how it plays out um, because I don't know. I haven't been on all of the trails, so I don't know if there's, you know, we have uh, locally the forest closure. So I don't know how close I'm getting um, to the Cleveland National Forest and some of these parts. Or I just I foresee there could be some altering that right. we may have to do because of maybe private land that the map creator didn't account for yeah uh my watch is my watch and like some of these websites are never aligned on the elevation so you know if i get it earlier if i gotta like stay in mission trail so i put mission trails at the end because i'll keep doing hill repeats or i'll keep wrapping myself around even beyond the five peaks Mm -hmm. to make sure i don't leave that park without um without my elevation gain needed so i'm if everything goes to plan, it will be like La Jolla Mission Beach. If I have to like cut certain sections short, you know, in East County and I need to get, you know, more elevation in Mission Trails or vice versa or anything yeah. like that, then I'm going to be flexible just because I haven't been on this whole 200 plus mile course. Um, but I'm going to do some due diligence. Like I'm going to go drive out there after this and just make sure all the roads are open make sure just nothing seems like try to just prevent or just be ahead of any foreseeable issues yeah. or barriers for the course. Yeah. That's, that's the hard part. I mean, the having the national parks still closed and not really knowing where that, the private property kind of hits. That's always a, that's always a big thing that, mm-hmm. that race organizers have to worry about too, is how, how close can you skirt, how, how close can you skirt the line without really going over that property line? Right. So it's, it's, it's really right. tough. So um, I really hope that the course that you've got marked out actually works. Cause I think it's, it's a great yeah. setup as far as where you're able to go and it, it allows people to go to different areas, right. And have access points to, to see and, and maybe jump in to run with you a little bit now from, uh, yeah. from, you know, following the rules as far as what you can and can't do, are you allowed, uh, cause like you said, at Bigfoot 200, you weren't allowed to have a pace until mile 46. Is, is that, is that kind of a rule as well that you can't have a pacer start until a certain point or you can just have a pacer at all times because there's access to it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I asked uh, personally Candace uh, and her team myself um, because I did get people saying like, hey, I'll come help and support. So I didn't know. So my sister's my crew chief. So I didn't know if I was going to need to kind of have her like pencil people in like from aid station to aid station and logistically kind of have to figure that out. So I always keep one person with me or, or if we could just say like, Hey, if you're interested, 
this is where he's at. And this is our next aid station. You can jump on and go aid station, aid station. Cause we, yesterday we finalized, uh, or she finalized and I just kind of <laughs> was watching her, but we have about 20 aid stations that we have planned out. So it's about one every 10, 11 miles. Um, so the, the, the feedback from destination trail was basically, they see no issues. You can have as many pacers from the get go, whatever you want for it, as long as they're not carrying stuff for me. So that's my rule It's just nobody can carry stuff for me, but anybody can join and pop off when, whenever they like, which makes it way less of a headache for me. Yeah. Case people <laughs> show up, which I, I think some people will show up on the weekend. You know, I don't expect anybody there, you know, at 2 a.m. Friday night. <laughs> I'm going to the East County mountains, you know, so. Ah, uh, you say that now, but there's going to be probably four or five people that are going to want to do it with you. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. So if they're out yeah, there, right? come get it. I'll have so, now, so now do you, like you said, you've got, you know, 28 stations set up. Are do you, what's going to be set up at those aid stations are like what's being supplied have you been able to talk to like local businesses to help out with some of the you know food or medical and stuff like that or how's that working out from a logistics perspective no yeah great question no i'm not i didn't want to rely on anyone else because i don't know i don't know how i'm going to do on the course uh yeah like you know, if I'm feeling really good and I'm, I don't want to, I didn't want to put that on anybody in case I'm at somewhere at four in the morning or something along those lines. And I'm hitting a lot more pavement, which should make me faster in the beginning, but pavement like kills me. Oh, it's going to beat you up a little bit. Like (laughs) pavement destroys me, man. I learned that in in the Vegas run I had, like I would so much rather just dirt, but uh, what we're going to, it's basically a traveling aid station and it's what we did at Bigfoot 200. So I literally have this little like, three drawer cabinet that has like all of my, like you could say medical supplies, energy gels. uh, I forgot what else we have in there. Just that kind of stuff. Medical supplies, energy gels, hydration mix, whatever that stuff, salt pills. And then my wife will probably be shuttling back and forth like my meals so like I'll probably fuel off. I like spring energy gels. So every hour spring energy gels and then have my wife or my sister run and, and to just local restaurants and get me like legit meals. And then I'll have gallons and gallons of water and, and electrolyte drinks and things like that. So basically I knew that at least if I had my sister willing to be crew, that I could get everything in the car and I could make this work. And so that's what gave me 100% confidence that when this canceled, longest my sister's got my back, who I could trust and I know will be there, that I could pull it off. And and she was in, so I knew I could do it. <laughs> so she gave me the confidence to continue the, the mission. So nice. That's so, how we're going to do it. We're just gonna, it's going to be a traveling car. Hey, they, it's, a, it's like a traveling circus, man. It's all <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so if um, this this is kind of directed to any uh, listeners here in the San Diego area that uh, are interested in coming out and supporting, do you, are you still seeing or does your sister still seeing uh, need for aid station support or anything like that, or is it uh, how can how can locals here come out and and support you and and what you're doing? So I don't think we need anything. I think I'll make sure I have my necessities 
my sister does have all of the aid stations basically mapped out. We do have a general um, race assumption based upon my movement times at Moab and Bigfoot and kind of, I'm a little bit more familiar with this terrain. So I got a better idea of what I think I can move. So we're, what I would suggest is like, once I get going, um, hopefully like maybe in your show notes, we can drop my sister's Instagram. Handle. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and she's going to be more than welcome to answer questions. She'll be giving status updates of where I'm at maybe where I'm headed next. Um, and if people want to come and either just cheer me on at the aid station, if somebody wants to bring me, you know, uh, a, a Gatorade or, you know, or just give me a high five, she'll be able to say like, he should be at this next aid station in the next, you know, one to three hours or, or whatever the case may be. So she'll be fully able to have that communication and maybe even help logistically plan when, when is best for somebody to come get on course with me and, and to drop off yeah. since we do know the course. Okay. Well, so yeah, we'll would be my go-to. Okay. Well then we'll, uh, we'll make sure that the, uh, all that information gets put into the show notes for anybody listening in that wants to go out and support and cheer Hector on. Uh, it's this weekend, starting this weekend, he's going to start at 6am on this Friday, uh, down at Peco park in downtown San Diego. And then he'll be running throughout the weekend. Uh, hopefully He'll finish sooner rather than later, but uh, it will be uh, it be a, a couple days at least uh, as, as far as going along. Yes, but uh, um, definitely. Well, man, hey, I I know you got to get out and got to do some logistics out for the course, so I'm not going to keep you any longer. But you know, it's always fun to sit and have these conversations with you, and and you know, you've always got my support and anything that you got going on. So I'm I'm planning on being out there this weekend at some point in time to give you a high five and maybe awesome. just bring you a Gatorade, maybe <laughs> uh, as you yeah. say. I'll take you. But, but uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I like I look forward to to have, hearing more and having more conversations with you. And, and as the Triple Crown kind of proceeds into the you know the Moab, and as this one gets over with, and I wish you the best of luck and in, in this and and everything moving forward, Hector. Well, I want to say that like if people can't make it, all good. I'll give people a pass. But January we got an endurance race series 50k that I've signed up for. And there's a lot of people that who's been in these elevation challenges that I'll be calling out if I don't <laughs> see their name on the registration list. So let's have a blast chopping wood at your 50K in January because I'm Hell absolutely yeah. going to be there. Hell yeah. And uh, I can't wait for that. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. And, and uh, I look forward to having you there. And that. they know who they are. <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> well hey man uh again as always it's a pleasure and uh good luck this weekend and and i hope everything works out for you awesome man thank you so much wow just in another amazing conversation with uh the man, the myth, the legend, Hector Rodriguez here in San Diego. Um, you know, I, I take something 
positive way for every single time I talk to him. So I, I love our conversations. I love what he does for the trail running community here in San Diego. And uh, honestly, if you get a chance to go out uh, to support him this weekend while he's doing his San Diego 200, uh, please do. Um, you can reach out to his sister and we'll, we'll put those, uh, that information in the show notes for you to reach out to her and follow along. But if you get a chance to just go out and cheer him on, run with him for a little bit, hang out at the aid station, whatever it is, uh, then it'd be great. I mean, he does a lot for the community here and it's always great to give back, uh, to other people that are, are helping out the trail, the trail family around, around San Diego. So, Anyway, a huge shout out to Hector for joining me today and and I wish him the best this weekend and and good luck in his pursuit of the Triple Crown uh, this year. All right, guys, thanks for listening in again and we'll see you on the trails real soon. Music for the Trail Life podcast is provided by Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. (laughs) 